Hello, Los Angeles arts community and beyond. I'm your host of the Art Break Podcast, Carolina Sique. We're in our second month of quarantine, and for Los Angeles County, stay-at-home orders are understandably extending until the end of July. Not only that, but Broadway announced a closure extension until at least Labor Day. Amidst all of this, it's fascinating to see how arts organizations around the world are finding new ways to provide content, workshops, fundraisers, and even full-blown productions through live streams, recordings, and countless Zoom meetings. This new reality raises new questions about how we see theater. What is theater? Is it possible to have theater in a virtual space? What might theater look like once a vaccine is administered and we're free to attend shows? To discuss these questions without definite answers, I spoke with Luis Galindo, a Texas-based artist who has acted in many IC productions, including Hamlet, Love's Labor's Lost, A Midsummer Night's Dream, and Macbeth. One big question I have is, uh, what do you think theater has become now with this new pandemic? I mean, now, as theater artists, you know, a big part of theater is that it's live, that, that we're all sitting in the same room and we are experiencing the same the same experience, basically. What are your thoughts about that? You know how a good actor can come on stage and deliver a speech or a line and the, the temperature in the room, the molecules in the room change, right? Yes. I just don't think you can, I, I don't think you can do that on, through a filter of, of digital, uh, digital media. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, here's something right so a couple of weeks ago was easter and uh so i i was watching um jesus christ superstar on nbc i think it was mm-hmm. one of the major networks right it was like uh, they re-aired it right they did it live a couple maybe last year or something i don't remember when it was and i caught the tail end of it last time and i don't like it I'm not a big fan of musicals, to be honest. I, I really, I mean, I don't hate them. I don't dislike them at all. They're just not my jam. Yeah. You know, I don't, I go to them, I see them, but, and they've, they've always been very uh, moving to me. Uh, well, not always. That's not true, but the good <laughs> ones, right? Yeah. So I'm sitting here watching this thing with my wife, and um, I, I got to tell you, I was, I was moved to tears. Mm-hmm by the by the performances uh, on on the screen on the television with commercials right yeah. now I'm, I'm also moved by film right mm-hmm. uh, on, on a screen right that's it's not to say that digital currency isn't uh, isn't emotionally potent when it comes to storytelling I'm not saying that I'm just saying that something happens when you're in a theater where you, it transcends just watching someone speak on uh, on a stage in imaginary circumstances where you are elevated, transported somehow. I don't know the really good ones, right? They mm-hmm. will they will transform into something totally sublime. Mm-hmm. Now, again. That doesn't happen very often either. But given the right circumstances, I think the ability for it to occur in a live setting is much more viable than in any other. 
and I think it's absolutely important. I think it's vital to our to our culture. Mm-hmm. Storytelling storytelling is uh, is ancient. It, it goes back to when we were in caves telling stories about hunting bison and 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 deer and whatever and uh, how to how to escape the saber toothed tiger and uh, be safe and pray for rain and pray for pray for crops and these things all began as this ritual storytelling of gods and myths and and it's it's just evolved all the way down to storytelling about who we are as people mm-hmm. we're not those people that <clears throat> need to hunt bison and sit by a fire every day although some people do but uh, we need we need these interactions with other people and and i don't know like the proximity of people inside the theater right the, the, how close you are to other audience members yes. that has an effect on on the way theater comes across to to all of our senses and the way we perceive a story and its power right mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know. I think I went a really long way out of the way to answer your question. (laughs) No worries. I love this kind of discussion, mainly because it brought up some ideas for me. Like um, a big part about theater is the fact that it is live, right? So that the actors are also responding to how the audience responds. And a lot of um, their performance is based on that. Every night it's different, right? Versus... um, film where you could watch it a thousand times it's going to be the same every time Robert Downey Jr. is going to deliver the same line the same way in Avengers every time that's just the truth Um, versus in theater where it could be like a Tuesday matinee and maybe the audience is really not into it um, versus Saturday night where it's it's really just vibrating with with excitement with not knowing what's going to happen and so I guess Theater provides that in a way. It, it's more yes. of, a, of, of a spontaneous event than it is entertainment. Yes. The way I listen on stage is definitely uh, influenced by the way the audience is listening to me. Mm-hmm. Right? I have to create a listening between me and the audience that allows for something powerful to occur. And I can't do that through a screen. I can only do that with other people sitting in the room watching. Also, quick question. I realized I forgot to ask you at the beginning, but um, what's your relationship with ISC? And what's your relationship to your art as an artist? Let me, let me kind of go in reverse, right? So I, I live in Houston, Texas, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I perform pretty much year-round uh, in theater. And... Uh, I was in a show, I was three weeks into rehearsal of a play that I was co-directing and and acting in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a play called The Book of Grace by Susan Laurie Parks. And uh, three weeks in, we got, we got shut down. Mm. And uh, now it got postponed until the fall. Hopefully, we'll go into rehearsal in uh, late September. Hopefully. Or, I'm sorry, late, late August. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on how things go, but that's the, the projection. Uh, I did lose a gig after that. Right? I was overlapping that show with another one that was going to open, and now that show has just been canceled. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on with me as an actor right now. I got a couple of things lined up if things get back to quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where I am as an artist right now. 
Now, how it started with uh, me and ISC, I was in uh, I was in graduate school in the early 2000s, and uh, once every summer we would go to uh, you know theater companies all over the country would come and audition us. I went to uh, I went to the University of Delaware. A professional theater training program, which is where Melissa went to school. Oh, great. And, uh, yeah, it's a three-year conservatory, and uh, they only accept X amount of actors every four years. And so I, the classes don't overlap. You were with these people for three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so on my second year of school, the, the head of the school came out to L.A., went out to L.A. to direct uh, as you like it for independent Shakespeare company I'd never heard of him <laughs> and uh, he asked me if I wanted to go and be in it they were looking for somebody I said yes and I went out there and met them they they were doing Hamlet and as you like it in rep and uh, I was in as you like it and but I would go watch Hamlet every single night every night I don't think I missed one performance of Hamlet <laughs> maybe one maybe but I, I was blown away by the way they worked, and I just really wanted to be a part of it. And I was like, yeah, these, are, these guys are doing what I want to do, which is uh, doing the plays of William Shakespeare at a very, very high level, mm-hmm. without reverence, and without any reverence. It was just beautiful and powerful and funny. Uh so the summer came to an end and I went back to school and I had always planned on going back to New York because I had been in New York City for a while before school um, trying to work as an actor with very mild success. And uh, it was time I graduated. Uh, I went to work in the oil field for a while to go make money to, mm. to go back to New York. And then things, you know, plans never go the way they're supposed to so I wound up going to Los Angeles uh, to check it out you know I did a play with uh, ISC in the fall of 2009 called The Changeling mm-hmm. uh, we did it at uh, in a theater in Santa Monica there's a couple of little theaters there I forget what it's called uh, on Santa Monica and Vine and uh that was sort of my litmus test. Like, do I want to move to Los Angeles? And then I decided I did. So a couple of months later, I, me and a friend from grad school went back and started working with ISC right away. And I lived in East Hollywood for a little while and didn't do anything but plays with ISC. I, uh, started working with them and learning how they worked and being a part of it. And I think creating some really beautiful, meaningful uh potent theater in the park and in the studio it's a beautiful story mainly because i feel like there's so many different ways people get involved with isc and it always just comes back to creating good theater for the community um oh yeah yeah I guess to circle back to what we're talking about, um, it's interesting that now with this coronavirus, I guess one of the pros is that people are kind of getting different types of theater, but for a more like accessible rate, whether it's free or pay what you can or, or $15 or, um, or anything like that, which I think is interesting. It's not quite theater, but 
would you say that it's kind of more accessible in a way to, to people who might not, um, I guess maybe not in terms of comparing to ISC, but like the National Theater is um, releasing free plays. Um, yeah, yeah. I was talking to somebody and they were saying how their friends have been to basically every museum in the world because now museums are offering virtual tours and... Um, sure. Yeah, I, I get that, right? I, I mean, it's great, but have you ever stood in front of a Van Gogh? Mm. Have you ever stood and looked at the David? Have you ever seen the Sistine Chapel in person, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I doubt, I mean, I'm sure those things are great, and they are. It's wonderful. It's an amazing, uh, technology is incredible, but I've seen a Van Gogh. I've seen the David mm-hmm. in person, and... Uh, there's absolutely no comparison to being in front of those things. Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true of a great performance of Hamlet or Medea or whatever, you know, it's going to be multiplied exponentially when you're, when you're there, mm-hmm. when, when you're breathing the same air. Yeah. You know? I, I think it's great. Hey, keep the momentum going, right? Remind people like how vital these things are because they are, otherwise what are we living for right i live for the opportunity to go to another country and experience their museums live their theater live Mm. their music of that culture in a live setting these are the things i live for uh that's why i work so hard that's why you know Mm -hmm. yeah you want your house and you want a family and, and these things but these things that enrich your life beyond beyond what money means right these are yes. these are the things that are important that's why they endure i i totally agree it's definitely kind of obviously i guess we're trying to make a, a something good out of this crazy situation and but, i'm all for it I, I think it's the best we can do right now but there's Absolutely. no there's no way you can really live life through a screen you know or, or live these people's experiences to to feel for hamlet in the same way if you were watching yeah. it live Exactly. And, uh, you know, all this is going to be determined by how fast maybe we can get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. You know, we, uh, we're on a timeline, I guess, until then, mm-hmm. where I think people will feel truly safe or whatever. And I don't know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go back. But <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't risk other people's health because I'm ready, mm-hmm. you know. We, we, we have to come together and, and think about each other mm-hmm. uh, and, and care for one another because, you know, it might be life and death, literally. I guess it's less about what is theater and more about what is space, right? So I, we're in like this virtual mm-hmm. space now where we're experiencing some type of theater, whether it's through Zoom or, or watching a, a, a video of the National yeah. Theater's production. How do you think that space might be transformed after this? It might be a little bit too early to tell, but that space might be transformed after this. How do you think theater will be thought of after this? I know that this happened in Shakespeare's time. um, And obviously people have been saying for years that theater is going to die, but obviously it hasn't. And I don't think it ever will. But um, what, what do you think will be the new space or the new territory we'll be coming across once we can all commune together again? Yeah, I think uh, it's if people might feel more comfortable in smaller settings, you know, it might be might be an emergence for smaller and more intimate theaters to to make more of an impact. I don't know. I mean, 
if I'm, I'm going to put myself in the mindset of a, of a person who, you know, an everyday theater goer who's not an artist, right? Mm-hmm. Who's not an actor, but someone who loves the theater, who loves to go, not just live theater, but the ballet, the opera. Think people that support the arts, right? The mm-hmm. J- Joe public that supports the arts. Are they going to feel more safe going to a thousand seat uh proscenium at the opera or are they going to feel more safe going to a hundred seat uh theater in um in a you know in a little more bohemian area of town mm-hmm. i uh, i don't know you have fewer people the the possibility of uh the risk goes down with fewer people i guess right uh, yeah the law of averages so maybe that that will happen maybe that will have an impact uh, maybe uh, having to seat people apart from one another, right? You have to be two seats away from everybody on either side of you. Mm-hmm. Is that going to affect things? Um, right? If you normally have a 100-seat house and now you can only sell 50 tickets, mm-hmm. uh, is it going to affect, is proximity going to affect the way we watch theater? I don't, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. But it seems log- the logic points to like more people, more threat, less people, less threat, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe you'll see a, an uptick in in that kind of thing. But I don't. I don't think it's going to. Like you said, right? People have been saying that the theater's dead forever. It's uh, no. It's not. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the unfortunate part of it is, might you know, some theaters might go away. I mean, this might have a detrimental. This might have a, a bad impact on struggling theaters. This might end a lot of a lot of theater companies, and it might make others emerge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think. Uh, I think we'll get back to something next to normal, whatever that means. I don't even know what normal meant in the first place. I guess <laughs> pre pre pandemic, where everybody just went to the theater and sneezed and coughed and. You went home and went to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like now, when you hear a sniffle, people are going to be suspicious, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think maybe the bigger theaters are going to are gonna feel it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all going to feel it, but, I mean, people, I think, are going to be afraid of that. Mm-hmm. I'm not, but, but I think normal people might. It just seems logical. Yeah, and I... I I really, really worry about all of them, all across the, the nation, you know, mm-hmm. some little theaters in some town somewhere doing incredible work is just going to gonna maybe not make it through this. But I, I, I have high hopes and low expectations. That's as honest as I can be. There's no way to know what theater might look like in a few months or maybe a year after the pandemic. However, in our conversation, I was reminded that even though the current crisis feels like a lifetime, one day we'll all be able to attend an outstanding performance of Hamlet or see the statue of David in front of us instead of through a computer screen. Luis's points also got me thinking about other artists and how they might be translating their mediums into a virtual platform. For this, I decided to check in with ISC artists Nikhil Pai, I am an actor and a part-time faculty member at California State University, Northridge. Lucola Ogunmola. I am an actor and a writer. 
and Siegfried Tiber. I am a magician and a storyteller. I perform sleight of hand magic, and uh, I like to think of myself as a storyteller because for me in my work, the narrative has at least as much weight as this light of hand and the performance. Thank you all for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate having your thoughts regarding what art is now in the time of Corona. So just as a quick check-in, I'd love to know, are you working from home with your art? And if so, how are you managing that? I think the question goes to the heart of the quandary that most career artists face during this time. The short answer is yes. In most cases, art can be done anywhere. For me, as an actor, I've put my efforts into putting scripted and original work on tape, hosting auditioning workshops with my fellow acting friends, and learning career-adjacent skills like video editing. The problem is, is that in my field, the work usually is created by a group of people in collaboration, and it usually goes somewhere, like in front of an audience. So in a sense, I feel like we're missing that last vital step in our artistic process. Fortunately, I do get to still write from home. I don't get to do much in-person acting, but I have been managing over Zoom calls and FaceTimes to do some um, cooperative writing as well as scenes and scene studies. So it's it's been manageable. Oddly enough, I have discovered that my art does allow me to work from home. I wouldn't have thought it would be possible, but it is. Lately, I find myself performing often for people over video calls, over video conferences. I've had to adapt some of my materials so it's interactive and dynamic in this new medium, but well, it can be done. What was your work like before the pandemic began in comparison to now with these virtual restrictions? The shutdowns and the stay-at-home orders for COVID happened right at the busiest time of the year for my industry, which is pilot season. On a daily basis, I was prepping for or going on auditions and also teaching at CSUN. Once everything shut down, it was like everything slammed on the brakes, which when you're going at full speed can be very, very jarring. But as the weeks went on, I started to find ways to adapt. I I really put my head down and focused on the skill of camera work. And this also became the time to lay the groundwork down for passion projects and learning new skills. Teaching online became a very different beast because I found myself not only having to adapt the curriculum really, really quickly, but I also found that I had to give them space to vent about what was happening in their lives at the moment and also to encourage them to stay hopeful and also to create their own work. Before COVID-19 and the current world crisis, the vast majority of my work consisted of live performances in front of an audience. Nowadays, oddly, I find myself uh, doing a lot of live performances via video, video conferences, video calls. Uh, I 
realized that a lot of this, a lot of what I do, live performance, still works over video. One, of course, has to adapt to the new restrictions, and one can also look for opportunities. But uh, oddly and luckily for me, uh, as a magician, a lot of this translates to the new rules of the game. Before the lockdown, um, I was working on Macbeth at the ISC studio, and it's such a rewarding experience. Um, it, it was really pushing me to another level of artistry and working with the wonderful like cast and crew, and and we were so close to opening. And it does suck that it didn't open. But my crew and my amazing director, Melissa Chalzma, shout out, has been great about continuing to meet each week and to continuing to dig deeper and now um, seeing what the play is on the other side of this time of what it will look like once we've emerged from this. And that is also part of art is to move with the world and form with the world. So it is my my experiences or my my view of the world has significantly changed now that this has happened. So I know I am different and I know my art will be different. So the virtual restrictions have been annoying to say the least, but it is expanding us. It is making us grow in a way that I think is very beautiful. And that message to stay hopeful is something we all should take to heart. I think we're going to find that this time has allowed us to look at our art in a different way. And that can only be a good thing. Thank you again to these wonderful ISC artists, Luis, Nikhil, Bukola, and Siegfried for joining us today. Personally, I find it really lovely to hear some words of hope right now, especially from fellow artists. Thank you also to Nikhil, Bukola, and Siegfried for their amazing work last Saturday during our ISC Living Room Follies Gala. We here at ISC are so grateful to you, the other artists involved, and all those who watched or donated. To our patrons, whether you found us last week or have grown with us in the last 15 years, thank you always for your continued support. We're looking forward to reuniting next year at Griffith Park when it's safe to hold gatherings. Until then, be on the lookout for future events, virtual or otherwise, at iscla.org. Don't forget to rate and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, stay socially distant, not emotionally. <laughs>